Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. Welcome to another weekend bonus episode of the Tech Meme Ride Home. I'm Brian McCullough. So as I said on Friday, my goal this week was I wanted to learn more about the whole EV space. Yes, there's Tesla, but we only ever talk about Tesla. And remember, I got turned on to the whole SPAC phenomenon because it turns out a lot of EV startups are going the SPAC route to get themselves publicly traded stocks that they hope will go all hockey stick like Tesla stock has. So I reached out to Martin Lee of the EV News Daily Podcast to help fill in the blanks for me. If you're into the whole EV space, check out the EV News Daily Podcast. As I mentioned, it's a daily, just like this podcast is. But if you're into electric cars, self-driving cars, basically the modern automobile industry, Martin has you covered absolutely comprehensively every day. My thanks to Martin for this great chat. Martin, I, you know, we talked offline. You do uh, a show that talks about everything EV, not just Tesla, but um, and so I, I brought you on here, as we said offline, specifically to talk about things other than Tesla, the entire EV space. But we gotta, we gotta at least set the table a little bit. So, um, what's your? Because I don't know if you know, but um, I, I have a, the Tesla Daily guy on now and again. He's obviously, you know, a Tesla diehard. From your perspective of the overall EV space. Uh, what's happening with Tesla right now? Is it just they're finally hitting those economies of scale that were promised all along? Yeah, I think economies of scale is a big part. Thank you for having me on, by the way, Brian. Uh, no problem. Uh, it's so good to uh, to come on and talk to you and your you know your fans about EVs from a perspective, maybe from a European perspective or more global. But you're absolutely right. Tesla has been on a rip lately because they've certainly hit their stride. I will say there's a little bit of a bubble around Tesla. So, you know, haters are going to hate me in my mentions, but that's fine because I just think that so many of the fundamentals haven't changed and yet... Uh, people are kind of jumping on board. Some will want to make a quick buck with trading it, but largely, you're absolutely right. They've hit their stride, and they're driving an entire industry forward. And then that's, what's interesting is the automobile industry, as big as it is, is just a tiny fraction. Like, if you look at the uh, the, the market capitalizations of the big automakers, and admittedly, Tesla is up there, whatever they are today, like 400 and something like 410, 412 billion. Right, we, uh, should have, we should have checked right before recording because God only knows on a day-to-day basis. <laughs> it will have changed. It'll be, yeah. be double. Uh, but, um, but all the big car companies, but then you put them on a graph and you put them next to Amazon, Microsoft, Apple, and they're just a footnote. And so what's happening is the EV industry is becoming the tech industry. And at some point, someone's going to be, there's going to be lots of winners. There, it's, it's, it's not going to be one winner. But Tesla are certainly capturing that part of the the mix between tech and automaker, and they happen to make cars. But there's so much going on with the company that it does justify a bigger valuation. Well, and I, that's specifically what we're going to talk about is who who these other winners could be. But again, as someone that maybe is not 
a Tesla diehard. From your perspective, is there anything that we should worry about? Is there anything on the horizons? Because I remember even a year, two years ago, there were things like the the um, tax credits going away, uh, maybe the Chinese market not maybe being a problem or things like that. Is there anything on the horizon that maybe would give you pause about Tesla right now? None whatsoever. (laughs) Okay. That's an answer, Doug. (laughs) There's just nothing about that. So, you know, even if Elon were to leave the face, because Elon goes to Mars, so let's let's not be morbid and say that a horrible accident happened. (laughs) Right, right, right. In 2022, Elon achieves his dream. Uh, He goes to Mars, and we say goodbye to him forever. I still think the company, the tech, the IP, the management team, uh, the brand, uh, it it would take a knock in the way that that Apple took a knock when we said goodbye to Steve, but ultimately is a bigger, stronger company uh, all these years later. And so there's nothing about that 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 I worry about. And even a couple of years ago, you're thinking, well, the other automakers could well catch up. And by the way, when they all put out press releases, they're all, in the first sentence, they're all, uh, this is fill-in-the-blanks plan to become the, the global leader in e-mobility. And from that, from the off, it's a joke because they've got to really go some to beat Tesla. Uh, they're not going to disappear. There's also the doomsayers that are like, oh, all the existing automakers are going to disappear. They won't. They'll find new ways of doing business. But Tesla, for so many reasons are just leading the way. And even the head of VW, as in the group, not the brand, but Herbert Deese arrived in 2015, boss in 2018. He has gone on the record and said, Elon can take risks that we can't with 300,000 employees. And he's leading. He's gone out, he's a he's not a fanboy so much, but he's saying Elon's leading and we're fast followers. And so they like VW know their place. And but it's a beast of a company to turn around. Well, let's start with with them, the the fast followers of the the major automakers. Um, just just for the sake of, um, I think there's. I, I want to learn more about the startups. But so, who among the major auto players is the best position right now? If you were going to say, well, they're going to be the ones that are most likely to get this and to be the most successful at EV, who would you say? I think VW have got a really good shout because although they've done some bad things recently and their reputation has taken a knock they do have somebody at the helm as i say he came from bmw and if you like cars like the i3 and the uh, i8 he was there at bmw when they came around and now he's at vw turning that company into an electric uh, electric car company so they sell something like 11 million cars a year and they've got some really ambitious goals admittedly i think they should still they should still be bigger but when you're owned by largely a family like the porsche uh, and the, the the family, even the state, like a, a bit of the state of Lower Saxony owes v, owns VW. And then you've got massive union pressure. What they're doing, I think, is as good as they can do. Now, the first VW ID3s were made last November. So we're heading towards those cars sitting in a big car park for the last year. And why aren't they in customers' hands? Well, they'll say that they always wanted to be on the road in, in summer uh, 2020, the truth is the software wasn't finished and the whole thing's been a real mess and people are, will be under massive pressure. It's a company anyway that has a, a culture of of just driving people you know, really hard. It's ultimately what probably led to Dieselgate in terms of so much pressure, but the software has been the letdown with the ID3. It's the first car not coming to North America. It's the Golf that's not a Golf. It's the size and mm. shape and price of a golf but don't call it a golf it's the id3 but this sits on a platform and this platform will be 
used across the group. Other companies like Ford are, are licensing this platform. It's called the MEB platform. And, and there'll be tens of millions of cars on the road using this platform. But it's not got off to a great start because it's not ready. Now, if customers want to take delivery of their ID3s in Europe, they can. And they'll be called, I think they're, they're being called first movers, which is a, a way of, of um, uh, sugaring it somewhat. In other words, you get your car now, but it's not quite ready. Look, the things that aren't, I'm being slightly cheeky, the things mm. that aren't finished, anything like the head-up display and stuff, none of this is a deal breaker. And then if you want the software complete version, uh, you can wait till next year. But look, how is that different to Autopilot and Tesla, which is still right. labeled as beta, right? but Tesla as a startup have fostered this this kind of reputation of it's fine for them to do it, and yet I'm saying not VW, and so I'm being the hypocrite. Actually, well, Tesla put stuff out there that isn't ready, isn't finished, and they get praised for it. But at the same time, they're putting stuff out there at greater volume. Like, educate me about that. Like, uh, I'm looking at numbers that I saw right before talking to you that like Tesla's delivering what like seventy thousand cars in the U.S. right now, yeah. while like the Bolt is doing eight thousand a year, the Leaf is doing three thousand a year. So like none of none of the legacy automakers are doing anywhere near the EV volume that Tesla is, right? I mean, it's just embarrassing. They did 180,000 deliveries in the first half of the year. They may well hit. They'll get towards half a million cars, even with COVID and seven weeks of shutdown in, in California, because by that time, Shanghai was back up and running for them. And so they were still producing cars. But next year, they're going to have, uh, with a full year of operation, uh, they're going to have Shanghai making all those Model 3s. They got that factory done a year to the day. 6th of Jan 2019, Elon was there for the groundbreaking ceremony and the pictures. A year to the day later, customers were driving their Model 3s. And the Model Y factory, which kind of goes unreported now because it's not sexy anymore, uh, but huge construction worker in Shanghai for Model Y, for batteries. So 300,000 cars from there. Uh, and over here in Europe, you're going to have Giga Berlin making cars by the end of the year, but customer cars by by next year. So Tesla can do one point between 1.3 and 1.5 million vehicles by the end of next year. Layer in Texas with the Austin uh, Gigafactory and Cybertruck, which has anything from half a million upwards of pre-orders, although only $100, but it still counts. And they're just unstoppable right now. The numbers and, are huge. And no one else is doing even five figures. <laughs> no, right. one's even no one's even close. Okay. So although I can say, look, I think VW have got uh, the right idea. The Chinese company, so Tesla were the biggest EV company in the world last year. The companies behind them, like BYD, very famous for buses and commercial vehicles, and BAIC and some big Chinese startups as well, which have got grand plans. No, in terms of numbers, no one's coming close. What about the tech? Because again, I was just reading before talking to you, like an analyst says that there are some people like the Audis, the the Porsches of the world, where the, the vehicles might be superior to Tesla in a lot of ways, except in one very important piece of tech, which is the range. Is that still holding true? I think range is king. I think there's uh -huh. a couple of things happening here. Uh, range is king in people's minds, but it's not. My EV does 200 miles. Like, I've mm. got a small city car that I drive because when am I going to do 200 miles? Like, I, we just do chores. And if we do a long road trip, it's not onerous to stop for 30 minutes and charge up. But the perception from people coming to, from combustion cars is they need, you know, a thousand miles whilst towing a horse box and having eight kids in the back and, you know, not stopping for 12 hours. That's the perception. And so what Elon's done cleverly, he tweeted recently about what he thinks the new minimum range is. And he was saying, oh, I don't think you can sell an EV with 
300 miles because he was they were dropping the base model y and so we're not going to make that one anymore because it, it, it's not going to go far enough so we think 300 miles is the base conveniently no one else is really making an ev that goes that far so again a, a, an efficiency advantage uh, from which they, they another box they get ticked there with tesla but they have got competition coming right which let's let's get to that um and and frankly, I'm just gonna. This is educate Brian time. So, um, I've got a list of some of the others here: Rivian, Fisker, Faraday. But just tell me first, in your opinion, who who should I who should I know about other than Tesla in terms of a startup first? Lucid every day of the week. The team there, not to bang on about Tesla, but the cohort there, largely. Uh, there's a lot of people that came from Tesla, including uh, their CTO and CEO, who was the guy behind the Model S program back at Tesla. So they've got good people, great tech. They've gone really big on efficiency. So look out for the Lucid Air, 517 miles range. Right, we were, just, a- we were just talking about range uh, anxiety, but they're 500 miles. Like They, they would be the first to get uh, break that barrier, right? Yeah, completely. And they're yeah. doing it with efficiency. So, okay, so low-slung sedan, but also they've gone, they've worked so hard on reducing things like the motor size, the weight, the, the battery is only 13 kilowatt hours, 113 kilowatt hour usable pack, which is only slightly bigger than a Model S, which is 100 miles plus less. And so Lucid's efficiency looks like it's going to be great. Not a cheap car starting at 60, but going over 100k for that. We'll find out more on the 9th of September when they do the release, the reveal of that car. But I really, really rate Lucid for going about their business quietly, diligently, and making a great EV. A lux- Look, it's a high-end luxury EV, but have them on your radar. When you go through airport security, there's one line where the TSA agent checks your ID and another line where a machine scans your bag. The same thing happens in enterprise security, but instead of passengers and luggage, it's end users and their devices. These days, most companies are pretty good at the first part of the equation where they check user identity, but user devices can roll right through authentication without getting inspected at all. In fact, 47% of companies allow unmanaged, untrusted devices to access their data. That means an employee can log in from a laptop that has its firewall turned off and hasn't been updated in six months, or worse, that laptop might belong to a bad actor using employee credentials. Collide finally solves the device trust problem. Collide ensures that no device can log into your Okta-protected apps unless it passes your security checks. Plus, you can use Collide on devices without MDM, like your Linux fleet, contractor devices, and every BYOD phone and laptop in your company. Visit collide.com slash ride to watch a demo and see how it all works. That's K-O-L-I-D-E dot com slash ride, collide.com slash ride. We all know there are things in life that you have to compromise on, but when it comes to your health, there is no compromise. So don't go back to that one doctor who uses your appointment to catch up on the latest headlines, their family group chat, their crossword puzzles, just because they're available right now or they take your slightly sketchy insurance. Instead, check out ZocDoc, the place where you can find and book doctors who will make you feel comfortable, listen to you, and prioritize your health. And you can search by location, availability, and insurance. So literally no compromises here, because with ZocDoc, you've got more options than you know. ZocDoc is a free app and website where you can search and compare highly rated in-network doctors near you and instantly book appointments with them online. 
Once you find the doc you want, you can book them immediately. No more waiting awkwardly on hold with a receptionist. And these docs all have verified reviews from actual real patients. We're talking about booking appointments with tens of thousands of top-rated, patient-reviewed, credible doctors and specialists. I have personally used ZocDoc to find a podiatrist when I needed one for the first time ever in my life. Go to ZocDoc.com slash techmeme and download the ZocDoc app for free. Then find and book a top-rated doctor today. That's Z-O-C-D-O-C dot com slash techmeme. ZocDoc.com slash techmeme. Uh, should Rivian be on my radar? A hundred percent. Massive investment from Amazon and Rivian. Again, they've been around a long time and they've taken many years to find their groove, but they're in their groove now. And again, a company which is going to be releasing two EVs. So trucks aren't a big deal over here. Like we have, don't get me wrong. Europe has trucks, but we don't have the relationship you have with trucks. Right. A lot of these, a lot of these companies we're talking about, they're, they're kind of leading with pickup trucks and things like that. Yeah. Yeah, so we don't get that because we have trucks. You see them on the roads. I'm not saying they don't exist, but they're a working vehicle. And so we don't get what you have, which is people buy a truck just to go to do leisure pursuits at the weekend and use it for your regular commute. Nothing ever gets loaded in the back. So they're doing the truck. They're doing the SUV. Again, great range and really great tech with the the Rivian. Not cheap cars, but a more conventional looking truck than like the Cybertruck. Um, Lucid was the one that took the money from the Saudi Arabian, uh, public investment fund, I think. So they got a billion dollars. So uh, you're saying that Rivian is heavily backed by Amazon? Yeah. And again, Amazon are using that relationship to have about 10,000 Amazon electric trucks. Right. Okay. About that's them. That per year. There's a hundred thousand Amazon electric trucks by 2030. So over the next eight years, uh, again, not a massive run rate when you divide it by per year, if that's a linear uh, curve as well but again just when amazon put their money into something you know that it's going to be uh, taken really seriously and again a great team behind uh, rivian which gives me a load of confidence and and a ton of interest in those cars uh what about faraday faraday was one of those ones that i heard a lot about and then i felt like i'd gotten in trouble or something yeah completely and, and again big ambitions but they just came unstuck when they realized how much it costs to get an ev uh, on the road and you know and sadly i don't think we're going to see anything from faraday um let's talk about Byton. they're a chinese player right yeah completely and they're one of the um chinese players Byton again have had their struggles but recent news they could be getting some more investment and things could be looking up there with Byton. uh then one more on my list, because I want to lead us into what you can tell me about the SPAC phenomenon, which I just learned about and listeners just <laughs> learned about recently, but it, it's it's big in the car space. So is it Lordstown Motors that is the most recent one to do a SPAC? And so first, tell me what Lordstown does. They're another Lordstown, truck. Yeah, they're making trucks to be used as trucks, though. So they're making the endurance, and that is meant to be a uh, a, a truck that is, is out there and, and earning its keep. And, and again, they're one of the companies that hopefully have the funding now to bring that car to market but it's fantastically expensive to bring an electric car to market and so as you say they've increasingly found this way to try and achieve that and so i I, you know neither of us have backgrounds in finance or wall street but for whatever reason SPACs suddenly seem to be the method of choice for these companies to raise this capital like, you know, everyone forgets what an IPO is. It's not just for the founders to get rich. It's to raise capital for a young yeah. company in theory. Yeah. Um, and so 
do you have any sense of, is it just everyone's like, wow, look at what Tesla's stock price has done. If we can just get a, a publicly traded stock, like we'll have a lot of, uh, a lot of arrows in our quiver, I guess. Yeah, I, there, there is an element of that. So, you know, one example of that would be Fisker. So they are taking this route to market. So for anyone listening or watching, so very simply, you can do an IPO uh, with, this, um, with this SPAC and you can have investors that don't know what they're investing in. But you have the body that is then the money is placed in a, like a trust and then they've got two or three years and it's time limited to go out and do a deal and find a company to merge with. And so that's what, so that's the background that's happening here. So that happened with Fisker, for instance. They've got a great SUV. It looks great. It's called the Ocean. And Henrik Fisker is a great designer. And I think what they've done with the design of it is, is, is really good. But then to use a, uh, an example of that, so in their documents, they said, well, we're going to be using, we want to use the VW MEB platform like Ford are doing. So we'll use that platform. So we haven't got to worry about steering racks and, you know, how the car, we're just going to put the body on top and make it look like a Fisker. And, and the market was like, well, that's great. And then when they had to file their SEC documents and VW were like, I don't think you are. And they had to file the documents to go, oh, yeah, uh, we're not. But we're really hopeful that VW will carry on talking to us. And if not, we'll find somebody else. And the, the, the stock price dropped. It was like 20% in a day. And it's so, like, that volatility, to me, doesn't say this is a, a steady, you know, in a way boring, but in a, a very steady working our way towards producing a car, which is, you know, Elon's talked about production hell. It's a famous quote of his. It's so hard to do this. Uh, so that's, you're right. There is a little bit of jumping on a bandwagon mm-hmm. element about this. When we talk about, uh, this is a sort of coming back to Tesla's lead. Um, when we talk about anybody, a Fisker, uh, a, a Rivian, whoever, coming to market in a big way, are we talking about next year? Or are we talking about 2022? Like, again, all of these things that we've seen all these growing pains that we've seen Tesla go through over the last five years, that's still in store for all these guys, right? And it's, it's so frustrating for me because I've for years I've been banging on about electric cars and now we have so much heat around them. Now, almost now, I'm like, slow down a bit because it's not this easy to simply go, well, here's a render of a car and we're going to make loads of them and we've raised a ton, a ton of money. It's really hard. And actually, if you take VW, for, insta- uh, for instance, the ID3 is the first one. That's the Golf shaped. The ID4 is the next one. That's, if you want, a Tesla Model Y competitor. That's the one coming to the US first. But the numbers aren't going to be there. So, so VW of North America wants a load of the ID4s to sell. And they could be a very popular car starting at just over 30 grand. Of course, VW are still eligible for the $7,500 federal tax credit, which has expired now for uh, for Tesla and with the, the Chevy Bolt. And so they get those advantages, but they just won't get any of those in numbers coming to North America. They'll be made in Germany. They're being made in Anting in China. But the Chattanooga plant in the US won't start making them till 2022. So you're right, they are still one or two years away. And the same happens for the uh, Toyota RAV4, for instance, the Prime. It's a plug-in hybrid, very, very popular. Dealers have got waiting lists. Toyota just don't want to make many of them. And so there's demand. There's a huge demand for electric cars. 
but a lot of these car makers aren't making enough of them. Right. So what you're telling me is if I was in the market for a, a, an EV and I wanted to choose between four or five different options, it's not until 2022 or 2023 that I'll, ha- I'll really realistically have that as an option. And, and that, so yes, so yes and no. Mm. One of the things that's happened this year, so Europe introduced some new emissions regulations and it's all to do with if you sell enough electric vehicles to balance out the fossil cars that you sell, then you haven't got to pay any of the fines. And so it's, you know, roughly every two EVs you sell, you can sell one of your nice, big, expensive fossil cars with a nice, big, fat profit margin. And so, and that, but that tapers down quite quickly. So for this year, a lot of the EV makers have sent all their cars to Europe because if they don't sell enough EVs, they're going to face really big fines selling too many fossil cars. Now, COVID might have changed that because all car sales are down, but still. So yes, when, when that starts to taper down, all of a sudden, miraculously, you'll find cars available in the US. With all of these, again, maybe not here yet, but all of these cars coming to market, what's the state of the, the charging networks? Is it still just a chaos of all sorts of different pr- proprietary things? <laughs> still too much. And, and you've got it good, right? Because you've mainly got Electrify America, Electrify Canada. These are the networks funded with the, you did a very bad thing, VW money. And so $2 billion invested in a, in a charging network of 50 and 150 and 350 kilowatt DC fast chargers across uh, North America. And so largely you've got that and some other big networks. Over here, the market's a little more established, but that means there's more of a, a land grab. And if I want to drive across Europe with my EV, I've got to have a wallet full of RFID cards with apps. Some of them I've got to then open my email to confirm my email address. And I just want to plug my car in. Now, that's changing. And it's changing with a, a technology uh, called plug and charge, and that uh, uniquely identifies your car, like the new Porsche Taycan does this with the new charges as well. So it's basically a Tesla supercharger for everybody else. When uh, so the cars are equipped with it, the charges are equipped with it. You plug your car in, does a little handshake, and the car identifies itself. You already have your account set up with them, just as you've got your credit card uh, in your iTunes account. And then it just bills you. All the billing happens in the background. You plug it in, you unplug, and you go on your way. It's called plug and charge. It's coming uh, to the US and to, to Europe as well. And you know what? That we should never have been in this situation where everyone tried to get their own little uh, their, their their own little bit of the charging network. Somebody should have grabbed it by the scruff of the neck. But but who was going to do it? Like the European Union regulators, mm. car makers. No one did it. And so now we're left with this mishmash, this patchwork. Of, of charges, they will all get joined up and they'll all get smart and they will all get connected, but that's going to take a little while. Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Uh, last thing, you mentioned this right before we started recording, and it's something that I don't know if we've covered on here before, but we covered something similar 
which this growing sense that you can have a piece of hardware and you might not necessarily own it. The, the most recent examples are the old original Sonos speakers that are now bricked. Not bricked, you can still use them, but they won't get updated. Um, there was recently the stories that uh, you can't load every program in the world on your Mac. There's certain things that the Apple won't. So the question is, if I buy a piece of hardware, do I actually own it? And I feel like maybe I've done a story like this with cars, but now that software is eating the auto industry, tell me about this idea of if you buy a $60,000 vehicle, you're really only owner of it so long as they deign to allow you to, to operate yeah, like, This is such a massive topic that doesn't get talked about enough. And this is the juxtaposition of tech and cars and over-the-air updates and four and 5G connected cars. And so tell me, like, what's the current... So I'm fully in the Apple ecosystem, right? I've, yeah. I've, I've given up. I was iPhone 2, and then that was it. And I've just... I've, I've now absolved any responsibility for worrying about my tech. Apple now does it. But for a, a couple of years ago, I'm like, you know what? I'm going to rebel. I'm going Android. And I bought a, a nice Android phone and had it for a week and was like, you know what? All of my, I spent so much money on apps. Uh, I'm just going back to Apple. So I'm in that ecosystem. Um, not begrudgingly, but I'm, I'm in that system. But I know people do muck about with Apple stuff. Like, what's the situation with jailbreaking? Have is that community and, and, and the phone makers, are they in a sort of, uh, sort of standoff? As it, we know it happens, people jailbreak their Apple phone, but it sort of, is, it, is it like accepted in the tech community? It, no, it, it's, it's really, really, it's not underground, it's in the background. Early on in, in iPhones, jailbreaking was a bigger thing, but not only are Apple just so proactive about as soon as someone, it's news when someone comes up with a new jailbreaking scheme that actually works, but then it'll only work for about three weeks. And so it's like, there, there are people that do it. I know people that do it. And there's that, that app store, is it city or something like that, that, that people like, but it's just no one. I mean, I would say the percentages are less than 1% of people that jailbreak right. iPhones, even among, you know, super nerdy people. So, okay. Okay. So it's not really like a, a dumb thing, but no. so there's a case with, uh, with Tesla recently where, They've got some hardware, the, the motors inside your Model 3 uh, are a bit better than you need. And they said, look, we'll make your cars better for $2,000. Now, there's a third-party company that came along um, either with a dongle or they can they, – they've done something smart. There's like 300 million lines of code in an EV, but they've done something smart where they'll do that upgrade for you for $1,000. And so people did it. Uh, and Tesla found that. Uh, that bug and they squashed it and so this company's told the people who have purchased it don't do the over the air update because in a game of cat and mouse we've worked out how to get around tesla's update um and i think a few handful of people did do their over the air update with tesla and now there's a big warning on the screen that won't go away uh, there's also the case of uh, a famous youtuber called rich benoit rich rebuilds now he likes to recycle reuse it's the a good thing for the planet right so tesla want to save the planet, reduce carbon emissions. So he found a car that was otherwise going to be written off and got it back on the road. He's an engineer. And so his first point was, I can't buy these parts from Tesla. Tesla won't sell me the parts. And then when he finally, after a campaign, got hold of those and got the car back on the road, not only did Tesla turn off via over-the-air updates, supercharging, which I kind of get, right? So I, I understand that. So the supercharging network, no one was going to build a, a fast charging network around the world 
So Tesla did, right? That's theirs, and that's fine. And they turned it off remotely on his car because they said, we don't know how you've repaired this car. And now there is a scheme where you can take it to them and they'll appreciate it. Anyway, but they also turned off fast charging completely. So are they allowed to do that? Well, I'm right. waiting for a landmark law case where someone says, look, I own, so I've, you know, I've bought, like, I've bought this phone. Right. So if I want to take the back off, muck about with it, put a bigger battery in, Apple aren't going to then say, we're turning off the charging ability or... Hey, uh, wait, 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 wait. <laughs> don't say never. I mean, <laughs> yeah, like, don't say never, right? Yeah, listen. <laughs> um, so, so that's, that's where we are. But on the other hand, so Tesla obviously are aiming for robo taxis. Like they want to go for fully autonomous. So, you know, level, level four, there's five levels of agreed autonomy, what, zero to five. Level four, let alone five, is there is no steering wheel or pedals in the car. And they want to get to level five. So you, you, literally, these are robo taxis. You have nothing. There's no interface. They take you. Play. They're doing it all with cameras. So to do that, they need a massive kind of back end, like a supercomputer. They're talking only in the last couple of weeks about this exaflop supercomputer at, at FP32, which is one of the fastest. They've been working on it for two years and will be one of the fastest supercomputers in the world. That is going to be training their neural net so that, all these little edge cases of a dog running out and, and someone crossing the road it, is going to be able to recognize all of, apart from just highway driving, which it'll do now. So actually, if I'm going to be getting in a car that is potentially looking after my life, do I want someone mucking about with it? It's a, it's a, it's a bigger debate than just, they turned off my charging. Well, you know, I get that, but again... I want them in control so that no one's mucking, like hackers, and no one's mucking about with this. Well, and certainly, and, and then that gets to the larger question of, well, there won't be car ownership as we understand it in however many years. But for the interim, uh, you know, again, it, like the idea, it would be insane if you did something to your phone that Apple didn't like and they wouldn't let you charge it. It's also insane on, on this, you know, for most people, your car is your second biggest asset. So that the fact that you don't really have control over that asset, like I, I especially in the interim where we're not at level four or five yet, like that does seem insane to me. And there needs to be a court case to settle like whose rights are whose at this yeah. point. Yeah. Who, who owns this car? So if Elon changes his mind one morning and wants to send an over the air update. So it's it, again, it's a part of a bigger debate about how much do you give up? It's like giving up personal data. So how much are you giving up for something in return? So Tesla insurance is in California. They just registered a company in China only recently. They're going to be having Tesla insurance, you know, I imagine at some point around the world, every Tesla customer can get Tesla insurance. That's because of all the cameras on the car and all the sensors on the car. So that at every moment, at any time when you're driving that car, it'll know how hard you're pushing the accelerator, how hard you're braking, how hard you're cornering. Your insurance price can be reflected on how safe a driver you are. Right. We have done so, stories about that, yes. Right? So yeah. how much data... Those cars are high performance. Like, Teslas are quick. They're fun to drive. But what? If I want to get a cheap insurance price, they know everything about me. That I actually have to drive like a grandma to get cheaper insurance. So at what point do you want a connected product that is in a way always umbilically linked to the mothership? And that's with cars, something that we've, 
you know, because they've been shipped by the car makers. They arrive in your driveway. And if you want to take off the exhaust and put some big, you know, big boy racer or big wheels or mod it, or like modding PCs and stuff, like that yeah. is that it has been the way forever. And so that's we're the, getting, and that's the culture of that's a car culture that it, it would take. There would be a lot of kickback on that if pe- if people were like, you can't do that anymore. Well, you can't. You simply can't yeah, do that. With yeah. a te- you can't do something with a Tesla that they don't approve of and they don't like, or they'll just turn it off. So mm. that is, that's where we are now. At some point, that's going to get resolved when someone says, I challenge you um, to this, and I don't know where it's going to end up. But, it, but generally, it's where EVs are going, though, right? We want our cars to be fully connected. We go and charge them wherever we are. We plug them in. It just works. All of that relies on a level of a relationship with the people who sold you your car more than simply taking it back to the dealer once a year for an oil change. So this is, we are in the first couple of years of a new era of, of how our relationship with how we get around. And, and again, you know, that's part of the whole kind of e-scooter, e-bike, e-car, what we're going to experience over the next 10 and 20 years. It's really exciting, but so many hurdles to overcome. Well, listen, don't ask my wife about the, we just got a car for the first time in 10 years and uh, I have six speeding tickets in the first <laughs> three weeks because here in, New York, here in New York City, they have the camera and force stuff. So two weeks later in the mail, I get a little thing, hey, we caught you and here's a picture of you going four miles over the speed limit at, here at this intersection, you know. So talk about uh, driving like a grandma here in, in, in Brooklyn. I, I have been forced to drive like a grandma. So guess what, everybody? It's coming for you too. Um, <laughs> Listen, uh, Martin, that was beautiful. If you, this, this is one of those episodes where it's educate Brian. If you right. want to be educated, it sounds like I need to listen to the EV News Daily Podcast. Right. Okay. So I'm probably uh, more passionate than, than, than most people about electric cars, but I'm not uh, a kind of a single-minded cult member. Um, I do appreciate there's you know, pros and cons, but if you want to come and have a conversation, um, that I do a daily podcast. Um, I launched it. There's, I've done 860 of them. So um, I just passed uh, 700. So we're we're in similar yeah. cohorts there. Yeah. Yeah. I, I was I was February. You were the March. And there when, you go. When so when you started that, it was like an in, um, an endorsement of the model because everyone said you are mad because I was seven days a week for a long time and everyone said you are mad to do a 20 minute podcast about electric cars every day and then when you started yours I was able to go well look this guy has been podcasting for ages and he's doing it so I can't be that wrong and so no it's called EV News Daily and um it's look if you happen to know a podcast that is like a TLDR of the tech world that you get uh for your journey home every day it's very similar to that, but it's uh, all about electric cars. And um, yeah, uh, subscribe and uh, come and say hi on socials. And I put the audio on YouTube. And uh, I just love having that that chat with you wherever you are in that stage of of the EV curve. Like whether you're still a, a skeptic or whether you've bought a car. Um, and uh, and we'll talk about uh, all those things. Well, Martin, I think the 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 real answer is anyone that does a daily podcast is insane. But <laughs> you have the you have the advantage of having an actual proper uh, radio voice, and uh, you clearly know your stuff. So I I am going to subscribe today. I promise you. You're a good man. Thank you, sir. Thank you. 